the black cast, and yes, off in the distance, you hear the music from a happier, gentler, kinder Transformers movie that I look back upon very fondly, as opposed to what's come since. Oh, but welcome to the black cast indeed. It is I, Christian Blatt, at Christian DMZ. Don't forget to like the black cast on Facebook, follow at Blackcast on Twitter, and of course, Bladcast.com, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T.com. We've got a very cinematic episode for you this week. We're going to take an in-depth look at Transformers, The Last Night, a little bit about the new Pirates of the Caribbean, and also War for the Planet of the Apes. We're going to start off talking Transformers with my friend Brad Morin, a.k.a. Low Brad, a.k.a. Old Man Morin, who is in town for a visit from Australia, and will be my special guest for the whole show next week. Our own Agent Starling and Jeff DeRay will vent a little bit about Transformers The Last Night, a movie that Captain EO did not see, but he did see the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean, so he can talk about that. And then finally, we'll round out the episode with some apes talk with our pal Mark. <clears throat> Hunt, a.k.a. Rafe Gutman, who is an authority on the Apes movies because he has his own podcast, Podcast of the Apes. But to get things started, we're first joined in studio by Brad Morin of WWPD.net. Earlier today, he and I saw Transformers The Last Night. Yes. Which you and I just saw, well, not mere moments ago, because that would be a lie, but we got Minutes. into the studio mere moments ago after seeing it just mere hours ago is when it started. That's right. And it's all very fresh in my mind, and our pal Agent Starling is the exact opposite of a fan of this movie. He <laughs> definitely threw down the flag for this was too much, that they were all kind of just fun popcorn movies, but then this was too much. Although he made a similar statement about fate number eight of the Furious, although that had to do with there finally not being any Paul Walker. They had used up their Paul Walker footage, so he didn't like it as much anymore. This movie also doesn't have Paul Walker. So if it did, maybe he would have liked it more. That's true. But you and I have seen several of these Transformer movies We together, have. Despite the fact that you live in Australia, because that's just the way the timing works. That's right. And the one that we didn't see together, I saw Transformers uh, Revenge of the Fallen, or whatever it was called, mm -hmm. number four. I saw that when I was in Boston for your wedding just three short years ago. That's that's right. And it, so it's always attached to you. So we saw this. You actually never saw that movie. I never did. Uh, we were going to see it, and you were very excited, and I was very excited to go with you, and we were going to go, and it's going to be a great time, and we were going to talk about it, and then I had to pick up cupcakes for my own wedding. I, I do remember that. Yeah. So, so you yeah. did not see it, but do you feel like you were at a disadvantage sitting in the chair for the last night having not seen Revenge of the Fallen or whatever it was called? Well, do we need to say spoilers? Because... Uh... Um, so here's the thing. I'll just summarize that this movie's not great, <laughs> all right? I don't think it's the worst Transformers movie, but it is not very good. So we're going to talk about everything that happens in it. Yep. But if I put down the big spoiler curtain, that's like saying that, oh, you should see it and wait mm -hmm. until you see it. I think that probably most people don't need to see this. If you're no. a Transformers completist and you just want to see everything, you've already seen it. Everyone else who's a <laughs> yeah. casual fan, you don't need to see this. No. Just do what I wish I would done. I said this to Brad after we were leaving. After every Transformers movie, I always think it was all right. 
but if I had only just stayed home and watched the 1986 animated movie, yeah. I would have had a much better usage of two hours, or in this case, two and a half hours. But the question is, since we got a discounted matinee rate, do you yeah. feel like you got your $7 worth? Six fifty. thank Six you very 50. much. Yeah, because we did go to a showing that was a 1020, mm-hmm. and it was not... 3D, although it was priced 3D, and then I had to haggle and get some money back. It ended up being 6.50 a ticket, and yes, I will say, dear listener, the Transformers: The Last Night is worth six dollars and fifty cents. I do not know if it is worth six dollars and fifty-one cents. No, it is not necessarily. It is not worth whatever fifteen fifty or your usual 3D is. 3D was not going to really change my opinion of this movie. So that's kind of my statement and so technically yes we're going to uh use some spoilers here but honestly nothing's going to be ruined for you no because the only thing that could ruin that movie was michael bay and he did all over the place (laughs) at every turn yes so we're going to speak very freely of it yes and if you are someone who is worried about transformer spoilers I was going to say kill yourself, but that's not No, nice. no. Take a long, hard look yeah, at yourself just go, in the mirror. Yeah, just, just do it. Start with the man in the mirror. Yeah, Ask exactly. him to change his ways. Yes. No message could have been any clearer. Nope. So, Brad, as the man in the mirror, your thoughts on Transformers the last night? Well, if you are a Michael Bay fan, if you like slow motion explosions, if you like really over thought, well, under dialogued, over dramatic moments. Yes. Um, and some dramatic music that's really heaped on. I, I want to come back to that in a minute. Then this movie's for you. I think it's fantastic for that. Look, I'm glad that I paid $6.50, or more the point, you paid $6.50. You bought me a sandwich, though, so it's kind of a push. It evens yeah. out. <laughs> I, was, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was, but my expectations going into that movie were less than zero. So, so you thought that Robert Downey Jr. was going to be in this movie. God, I wish. That would be if great. If it was actually a version of less than zero mm-hmm. featuring Transformers. Optimus Prime versus circa 1980s Robert uh, Downey uh, Jr.? I'm in. Yeah. Please, let's... Michael Bay, I know you're listening. Go ahead. Make that. Make that movie. Think of the... I mean, if you could have the special effects budget that this movie clearly had, you could easily add 80s Robert Downey Jr. By the way, the previous Transformers movie was actually called Age of Extinction. Ah, yes. Revenge of the Fallen, I believe, was number three, which you and I did see together in the theater. I'm not going to lie. They all run together. Yeah. They're all disappointing, but (laughs) visually there's some cool stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of moments where you just shake your head. But anyway, so this is your summary, and okay. I keep interjecting. So well, I, I'm just going to lay down my favorite moment. I'm just going to drop that out on the table. Please drop that knowledge. So you know how you watch a Michael Bay movie? And I'm sure that if you're listening to this, at some point in your life, you've seen something by Michael Bay. There will be a great crescendo of music. And there will be slow motion and there will be probably an explosion of somewhere or something really dramatic being said that probably isn't that dramatic if you actually think about it and you take the music and the context out of the situation. But they actually poked fun at themselves in that. And I thought that was incredibly clever because there's this scene where Anthony Hopkins is explaining the, the history King of it. Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Exactly. <laughs> Sat at this table. And, and it turned into Peter Lorre. And that was embarrassing. But but his robot butler, Cogsworth, as you do. Cogsworth. Like, I don't know. What is, is that his name? New, Coggington. Yeah. Co- I think Cogsy? it was Cogsworth. Cogsworth, yeah. I don't know. He actually starts playing the organ in the background. And Anthony Hopkins, and it, it blends in with the music that's going on in the background. And Anthony Hopkins turns to the camera, well, turns to the butler. Cogman and, is his name. Cogman yeah. breaks 
was it the, the fifth? Four, that's the, the fourth, fourth wall. wall. You're thinking Breaks of the fifth it. element. I we was. can't break the no. fifth element. <laughs> Chris Tucker t- tried to break the fifth element. <laughs> to be but fair, even I think he, he broke the fifth element. I'm pretty element. sure he broke it. Yeah. But yeah, no. I'm, so he breaks it. And he says, stop doing that. And then the music stops and they go back and then slowly it builds up again. And right when it's hitting its crescendo again, he turns again and says, will you knock that off? I, I did like that moment in the movie. But one of my biggest problems with all of these Transformers movie movies, plural, is when they try to be funny, it usually falls really flat. That was yeah. actually kind of clever. I liked that, making fun of the conventions of the movie. But it's mired amongst so many other moments that are trying to be funny that just mm. are not. But I agree that that was kind of a, a nice touch. But you bring up Sir Anthony Hopkins. I do. And if anything, this movie just made me feel so bad that he's at a point in his life where he willingly said yes to this movie. <laughs> I don't think he had a he had a gun to his head. I don't nope. think he was forced to. I He I, might might hey, you never know. You they never may know, have had a, one I, of his children, you know, I, I at gunpoint. I don't think yeah. so though, you know? I think that, you know, you do this movie and and you talked about not being happy with the way Red Dragon turned out or maybe it was yeah. more Hannibal. Hannibal, which, yeah. Again, there's flaws too, but Hannibal is a far better movie than yes. you know what than any Transformers movie. I'm going out on a limb here. That's real talk from the Black Cast. Hold on, are you talking about the animated '80s movie as well, or we just? It's probably okay. better. It's probably better okay. than that. But right. I haven't rewatched Transformers parentheses 1986 in quite some time. The thought that I had about this movie, kind of the overall thought, is the same that I had about the movie that was apparently called Age of Extinction, but in my (laughs) mind, I'll probably, the next time I think of it, think it's called Revenge of the Fallen, even though that's part three. Yep. Not Book of Shadows. Is that it's very clear, fairly early on, but it's repeated throughout the movie as it was in number four, they don't really make movies for us anymore. There are a lot of things that are very clear for an international audience. Yes. Case in point, you have a lot of Chinese product placement. Yes. You have beverages, you have computers, you have websites, you have a lot of just Mm -hmm. Chinese product placement, which is fine because they have a ton of money and they're the growing movie population. I don't know how it compares to the US, but I think it's the second biggest. So I get all of that. But that's just a reminder of, look, this isn't going to make any sense. It's going to be big. It's Mm going to be loud. It's going to look pretty cool at times. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as cool at other times. But it's (laughs) going to be what Michael Bay excels in. And that's definitely appreciated uh, the world over. There were bigger story. And yes, I'm talking about the story of a Transformers movie. I'm going into it. There were bigger story flaws in the previous one, Mm -hmm. including moments where they just ended up in a different side of a spaceship with no explanation as to how they got where they were. And I think there was even a costume change. There were little minor things like this. Like there was a reference to something late in the movie. Oh, good. You got the message I sent. I'm like, wait, when did he send a message to those other characters? There were some other things that I'll say that something that was a little disturbing was the sexualization of the 14-year-old girl who we didn't know was 14 in the first scene. But there's a lot of scenes in her in a very tight shirt running with the little boys who like her. And in that scene, I'm thinking, well, this is an adult woman and he's just flirting with her. No, we were supposed to think she was the same age, but yet she's running in a really tight shirt that we only see in the scenes when she's running. And I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, wait, I do. I don't think I like that. Yeah, no, no, that's not good. But then... 
beneath the surface of that is that that's not even a great character. It's like, all right, so the actress who played his daughter it, was unavailable. Know, I don't know what she was doing. Too expensive. Probably that. I mean, she basically got herself written off of Bates Motel so that she could be in the previous movie. And there's no Bates Motel anymore. She could have been in, in this, but uh, maybe they just didn't want her. And like you said, probably too expensive. But also, she was a blonde white girl. And maybe that doesn't help with the international market. Well, they, they introduced a new female lead, the highly educated, which they point out repeatedly. Many times. How, Victoria, what her, I believe her What name her is. qualifications were. I put air quotes around that because if you actually watch the movie, um, every time, maybe the first three or four times she appears, all they show is a camera angle of her ass wiggling in what they later call, what they literally later call, this stripper dress. Yes, they actually refer to it as a stripper dress. It's true. And the camera angle literally comes up from her ass, from behind, walking, and you get the sway of her hips, and then the background, and you're just going, uh, okay, I guess this is, let's let's talk about sexualization of a character. Here we go. My thinking was, and I said this to you on the drive back from the movie, was, to me, Michael Bay is putting this together, the script is written, and he says... Yeah, I want a Jyn Erso with tits, okay? How yeah. about Felicity Jones with a big rack? Because mm-hmm. this this actor, I don't actually know her name. She was fine for this part. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as Agent Starling would say, she, she's fine. She's fine. She's yeah. fine. She's what you needed. Exactly. Uh, but she is definitely, uh, let's just say, a little bit more blessed in a certain way than like Felicity Jones. And I'm not yeah. saying that Felicity Jones would be in this movie. Just more that that was the type that somebody like Michael Bay looks for. And look... We can say what we want about Michael Bay, but he knows how to make movies to make that a lot make of money. a ton of money. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And this was a little bit disappointing. I think that the box office wasn't the gangbusters. It was down from the previous one domestically. Internationally, is like $500 million, whatever. They're fine. Yeah, I was going to say, fine. Yeah, they, they'll be more. And apparently they're they're planning an, uh, a Bumblebee spinoff movie, which I didn't realize. Oh. So maybe we'll get a uh, flashback a to World his time War. in World War II. Yes, thank because, you. Because, look, that's what's in. Captain America, Wonder Woman. Let's put Bumblebee in World War II. By the way, let's put Bumblebee in World War II. And inside of the car, the driver's seat, go ahead. You put Wonder Woman. And you go ahead and put Cap in the passenger seat. That would be a hell of a movie. I think that there are a lot of worlds that will have to shake hands to agree to the finances of that. But I have to say, that would be an amazing movie. I would go watch that movie. It would make no sense and it would be beloved in China. But you know where else it would be beloved? In my heart. That's right. It'd be beloved in my heart. Can I just point out just how much of a nerd I am, though? So when they when they do the retcon and they showed Bumblebee as the World War II badass, and they drive into the German castle with the Nazis all around, it's two British, well, a German-type vehicle at the front, and then a British vehicle behind. Right. That is an LRDG truck. No. Is which it really? is It was a Chevy truck used by the LRDG in World War II, which is, of course, the namesake of my podcast. And so Hot Rod transforms into an LRDG truck and you mean le hot rod <laughs> which i don't know why you went from judd nelson to a uh, french accent but uh, so be it yeah well i guess because he started as a peugeot and now he's a hot rod I don't know, it just sounded like the way he would say oui oui but he turned into a ferrari so why yeah. doesn't he have an in, an italian uh, accent? by the way speaking of sequences that we didn't need in the movie uh, basically bumblebee beating up some nazis but at the same time like i oh, look kind of cool camo green camo yeah. green on bumblebee turns yeah. out his thing uh one of the things we were talking about before the movie where our expectations were very low yes. was the 
the tomato meter. And here on the Blackcast, we are not big proponents of the tomato meter, no. even though our friend Sarah worked for Rotten Tomatoes for some time. She worked on the TV side. In the years since, I've just started to feel that I think that the tomato meter really does a lot of damage because it's an aggregate of what critics say. And yep. critics don't like a lot of movies that I like. Yeah. And when they do like them, they like them begrudgingly. You know, mm -hmm. like various superhero movies and stuff. So I'm. We're gonna play what a very brief. DC? We're gonna play a very yeah a very brief guessing game. I am going to set uh -oh. the line at 25%, so that is one quarter of enjoyment. Let's just say that's one star. Uh, do you think that the tomato meter is over or under 20? For this movie. For this movie, yes. I'm gonna say it's, mm. yeah, I'll <laughs> say it's under 20. It is indeed, it is 15%. I'll take it. And look, it's not good. No, but it's but not it's bad. But it's better than 15%. And, you know, we talk a lot about, and people make a big fuss about Batman vs Superman getting a thirty-nine percent. It's it's not that a thirty-nine percent. It's way better than a thirty-nine percent. Yeah. You know, maybe Suicide Squad. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't balk at the thirty-nine percent. No. Because there's definitely it's definitely about forty percent. Yeah, cool. it is. Suicide I would say it's Squad. about forty percent. Yeah, it's about forty percent. And I and I like that movie. And I, and I like in a guilty pleasure yeah, way. It's definitely like guilty pleasure. Yeah. It's more like oh, I like the stuff that Harley Quinn does and. Will Smith's kind of cool and I can kind of take no not even take I'll just leave everything else yeah. although I don't hate the Joker like some people Agent Starling do on this podcast yeah um, the, another overall thought about this movie and don't worry yes. we're not going to talk about this movie for the whole podcast but we watched it specifically so that we could you talk didn't about this. and you didn't have to yeah exactly it felt like the, just in some imaginary world there's a live action big budget Transformers TV series and it's two and a half hours. So you'd think, oh, okay, in Christian's theory, they took four episodes and edited them together. Yeah. No. They took eight episodes, cut them down, and put them out of order, and skipped whole sections of the yep. story. Like and plot. that's what they did. Yes. So it's not like they just took four episodes of TV show out of sequence. That's what I was thinking at first. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's like they just took snippets of a bunch of different episodes. And they're like, it just looks cool. Gives a shit. Like an entire BBC series. They took like the yeah. six episodes of something. And then, yeah, they, and then the Christmas special. And they, they took all the parts. Yeah. They took. And they did that. They took Blackadder Goes Forth. All six episodes mm -hmm. of Blackadder on the front line in World War One, back to the war theme, and also the Blackadder Christmas special. That's right. And see, I would watch that movie though. I would you know, too, as much as I like Blackadder. But anyway, and it's just there's little elements of things that if you're fans of the Transformers, like okay, it's awesome that Unicron is talked about. Oh my god, we don't actually see Unicron. Well, we see he the horns. We see the horns. And as is teased in the end of the movie, oh, okay, so... It's coming. And by the way, I thought that this was being marketed as the last one, and I know it's called The Last Night. Yeah. I really thought it said, like, one final. Yeah, so I did I. But I think that they meant that the night was one final battle. And, you know, maybe there's no more Mark Wahlberg in any more of these. I, I don't know. Mm. You know I, I, there's going to be more, clearly, because it made enough internationally. So if I see a trailer for the next Transformers movie and a Unicron mm -hmm. is standing there... I'll, You're going to see it. I'm going to have to I'm going to go see it. I mean, we will probably both see this movie together. Yeah. At some point. God, I hope so. Yeah, I know. That'd be good. That was probably the thing I got excited about that was just like, oh, we didn't actually get it, but that's how movie franchises work, right? 
Yeah. I spent a, a good chunk of the end of this movie kind of rolling my eyes at how much they they went with the, oh, we're going to build up the next one. Now, I'm sure that a lot of Transformers movies do that in general, and a lot of Hollywood movies do that. I mean, I watched a lot of bad Hollywood movies when I was coming out on the plane. Um, Logan was, of course, not on that list. But I saw the new Triple X. I saw John Wick 2. Um, Book of Shadows. Yeah, Book of Shadows. And just a bunch of other Hollywood big ones that I, I missed in the cinema but because in Australia movies are like 25 bucks a pop like I, per my, person yeah wow so, I, I knew that they were expensive I didn't realize that they were that kind of expensive yeah I tell you if movies you know and there are I've seen screenings that are like closer to $25 because they're the comfy seats they're mm-hmm. IMAX 3D I tried to go pretty no frills I don't usually get as no frills as the 650 that we had today but I usually try to avoid all of those other things because I'm like if if the movie isn't good in 2D mm-hmm. then it's not good yeah. Well, in you Australia, know. like shoe, shoes cost two to three times as much as they do. It's true. Whenever Books Brad comes here to visit, he uh, will stock up on shoes. I do. In fact, I quite a, buy quite a few on this trip. But You're a shoe hoarder. I but am. Anyway, that's but, not your point. So I always take shoes back. I always take books back. I always take things that are just worth their weight in gold in Australia, and I fill my luggage with them on the way back. Apparently, film reels are the same way because those comfy seat cinemas yeah. that you're talking about, those are like $100. I can't imagine spending $100. Well, I, again, I'm thinking my wife and I together. I think the last time we went to... Does well, that include a meal or it's just... No, just, $110 to, just to sit, but for the two of us. Okay, is it $110 Australian? Yeah, but okay. th- but it's not pesos, so we're not... I mean, No, no, so, so it's I not spent, like it's 40 cents, but no. y- you probably spent, I don't know, what, $80? It's or? a 30, yeah, it's, it's like a third less. It's still yeah, $80 an obscene amount of movie. I'm going to have to think if I've ever seen a movie that I would be okay spending $80. I guess when I factor in babysitting, I have spent that much yeah, money. there you go. Because if I get a babysitter for three, four hours, it's, you know, $60, $75. Mm-hmm. So... Basically, having a kid is like seeing a movie in Australia. That's it. And if you're our friend Jason Blair and you have three kids, then it's a steal compared to Australia. That's right. So, so look, my, my big takeaway for this movie was, I mean, Michael Bay's gotten more and more, I guess the word I'm looking for in his cinematography and all this he goes for epic. He's looking for big, yeah, grand. Huge. Yeah. And I mean, if I was a kid, this movie would be awesome inspiring I mean it would be great because I wouldn't know any better as far as plot went I wouldn't know any better as far as I don't know it, you have your your morals quote unquote in the right place you have your heroic characters do, facing impossible odds you have the great orchestra having its great big crescendos you have the action happening you have all all these wonderful elements coming together and it is easy to kind of get swept up in it but I'm also not 12 anymore so i kind of go well and there's the moment of suspension of disbelief now i'm willing to leave my suspension of disbelief at the door when it comes to a michael bay movie i get it i've seen all the i haven't seen them all but i've seen quite a few of his things and i can i can still get lost in the narrative and it isn't jarring well there's a moment in this movie that reality stops for me and i went okay okay stop now imagine a three-story tall, walking, talking, death machine with a giant bastard sword. Giant sword. Swinging it. Two-handed grip. Wound up. Gonna, gonna take the head off Optimus Prime. Who's gonna stop it? Anyone? Anyone? Mark Wahlberg with Excalibur. Are you serious? Really? 
Oh, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I'm going to fight you with my little sword. It's going to be stronger than your big sword. Hey, how are you? Look at that. Now you're all going to bow down to me because I'm fucking King Arthur. But so after this happens, the sword disappears and it's never seen again. You notice that? Yeah. It appears exactly five seconds on screen. They don't call it Excalibur, but it's Excalibur. It's Excalibur because... And then it yeah, disappears. Yeah, because they basically are like, all right, we're all going to serve him now. And, uh, you know, and there's also what I was thinking about this movie and what I had intended to say in the intro is that this is a Transformers movie that is so bad that even Optimus Prime didn't want to be in it for more than about 25 minutes. <laughs> yes. He's barely in this movie. He's yes. all over the third act. He's got a cameo in the first basically two hours of this movie. Yes. And then he's in it a lot. But he's barely in it. And then you're just like, man, Optimus kind of knew what he was doing. He's like, that's too much. That's too much for me. I'm not, uh, I'm not down with this. But uh, he's very quickly kind of hypnotized by uh, Quintessa, who I guess is sort of, I, I don't know that I've seen that character before, but there is such a rich Transformers lore mm. that I can concede that that exists. I remember the Quintessons from the TV show, which were the five-face robots that sort of basically oh, ran wow. Cybertron. So I the name yeah, obviously yeah. is a derivation of that. There could definitely be a Quintessa, and I just am not as hip-deep in the Transformers as I am with other things. Mm -hmm. You know, if Quintessa had appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number 267, I would be like, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man's on top of a train on that cover of that episode, that issue. But, um, yeah, so it's there are those little touches, those little throw-ins to people who really know the characters. There are also some other things. You know, we have this cast that's in here. Um, we have, like I mentioned, poor Anthony Hopkins. And we inexplicably have the return of Stanley Tucci as Merlin in the opening sequence. A sequence that we admittedly probably came in about 60 seconds into the start of the movie. Yes, we did. And we just figured, like, okay, somebody named Merlin is, Merlin is being run out of town. This is probably still a trailer. This couldn't be a Transformers yeah. movie. And you're like, well, it is called The Last Night. I'm like, yeah, I know, but is Merlin really going to be in it? And I'm like, is he really going to be Stanley mm -hmm. Tucci again, who is my least favorite part of the previous... Well, I don't know if he's the least favorite, but he's one of the worst things about Transformers 4, which I think was called Citizens on Patrol, but I could be wrong <laughs> about that. I think David Spade was in it. Uh, and then he's just inexplicably, there he is uh, as Merlin. And I, I mean, I guess they like him. And again, he's a good actor. This is beneath him. You can say that about everyone. You can say that about Mark Wahlberg. You can't yeah. say it about Josh Duhamel. This is great. Good for you. I'm glad you're still finding work, buddy. Yeah. Good for you. But we have, who was, oh yeah, John Turturro. Yeah. And look, this he's movie, a great actor. This movie technically has a reunion of the Big Lebowski because we also have John Goodman yes. and we also have Mr. Pink, you know? Yes, we, we do. We have all of them in this movie and that doesn't even make me excited about it. Can I point out that John Turturro... Steve and, Buscemi, by the way. I, well, I, I, yeah. It was a little bit of a brain fart, but uh, I, I knew he was Mr. Pink, so yeah. I had that. Sorry, Steve. Anyway, no, that's all right. So, uh, John Turturro, such a great actor, and he literally, you know how the expression, if you phone in a performance, if it's, you know, yeah. you're just kind of showing just up. There, yeah. Well, he literally, he literally phoned, phoned in. in every scene, he's on the phone. Yeah. And the, every interact, and he's hanging out in Cuba. And he's going to go play basketball with some model bots. Yeah. Just that's don't cool. even worry about it. They, they, I, I, I wonder, was that an afternoon for him? 
I wonder uh, how probably, much he got paid for you that. You know, for a movie, that's probably like two days worth of work. But, yeah. you know, I can only imagine what he got paid. Because you just get to put his name on the poster. You know, he was in previous movies, obviously. I, I don't know. It, was is, he even necessary? I mean, No, no. We, I, did, I don't know how much that helped the story. But I don't know how much any of this stuff helped the story. <laughs> this is true. You know, and we certainly didn't need Vivian's, like, family of ants. Yeah. And this was the, the very flat comedic moment when her and Marky Mark go upstairs and they break things. Tearing apart and, and, and it doesn't actually sound like they're having sex, but that's how they're reacting. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, that's clearly what they're like. I think I'm going to go take a peek. And I get it. That's supposed to be funny. And I don't know. Maybe that's supposed to be funny for the sweaty masses in, 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 in England. I, I don't know. Can I just point out that if, if, let's say that I was her aunt and let's say that I desperately wanted her to find a man as they were doing in that in the scene prior when they were talking about looking through the want ads and or even a woman as they said in the movie and let's say they go upstairs and let's say they were you know let's making a different kind of movie upstairs <laughs> let's just say that yeah. would you as her aunt turn around and say I'm gonna go upstairs and take a peek would you want to see your niece doing that? No, although to be fair, Marky Mark's a good-looking guy, and as as you said, he clearly let himself go for this movie. Oh, he didn't hit the gym at all. Was that an eight hey, pack, a ten pack, twelve hey, pack? Hey, what? it's called pain and gain. Okay, yeah. I got to work really hard to look like this. Me and The Rock, we're out there for pain and gain too. Look for us. I don't think it's happening. See, I always miss Will when I mean, I'm, yeah, obviously we always miss Will when he's of not course. here. But uh, I always feel like my impression of his impression of Andy Samberg's impression, it's it's too many degrees away from Mark Wahlberg. But at the same time, I just feel like a conversation about a Transformers movie without, oh hey Optimus Prime, how you doing? It it just it just wouldn't be it wouldn't be fair. So, well, Optimus Prime, for the record, yeah. couldn't ride Grimlock in this movie. Can no, I just point that out? but he did better than that. Yeah, I'll let you explain because well, it was epic. Well, actually, I think you need to explain the significance for you in your podcasting okay. world because it's a fairly brief explanation. So one of my regular guests, um, slash one of the, the guys who I do, one of the main casts, and he isn't a guest. He's actually one of the main guys, a, a fine gentleman by the nickname Patch. I always do the grand entrance for all the episodes, and I go, up. Oh, Patchamus Prime riding Grimlock into the rah, 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 rah. and then he always just turns to the mic and says very quietly, "Hi, Brad." But now Brad. you have to kind of upgrade that from riding Grimlock to riding a fucking three-headed dragon. That's right. That is a combination of twelve Guardian Knight yeah. Autobot robot transformers anyway uh it, they did have the submarine yeah the submarine never that started working and yes i was about to point out did not transform at any point and but they were all up in that they were all up in that oh yeah. yeah yeah there's there's so many things about this movie things that didn't work but it is far from one of the worst movies i've seen you know i mean i yeah. I've, that's because i've seen some bad movies i look i concede that you know i i would say I mentioned it recently. I would say that the the movie called Snatched with Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn was worse than this oh. because it just unraveled. Look, Did you I, see that? Well, Heather was excited about it, and look, I like Amy Schumer. I thought her movie Trainwreck was very funny. Oh, was and it? I, I, I didn't love see that. Goldie Hawn. So yeah, the idea oh, yeah, that she's, she's making a movie for the first time in fifteen years, I'm like, great, I'm in. This was she should have stayed retired and waited for whatever the next movie is, <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, a weird little touch in this was Tony Hale, who people know from either Veep or Arrested Development. He works at 
the JPL labs, the Jet Propulsion Labs, uh, actually in Pasadena, which I was lucky enough to visit uh, not long ago. They have nice. a, an open house. I was in that room that they filmed in, or at least the room that they built a set to look like. I'm not quite mm. sure. It looked like the real room, though. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't know if he did a bad accent, which is entirely possible, but it sounded to me like they uh, somebody did ADR and voiced over every line that he said in the movie because he doesn't sound like that. So unless they decided, like, you have a backstory, you're from New York, but you've half lost your accent, now go. Then <laughs> that's fine. But it was weird. And also, we was did get... Was he the science guy? He's a science guy. Okay, because I'm trying yeah. to figure out yeah. what character you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and he's, the, he's like, okay, that's physics. Boom. You're welcome. And I was just like, all right, you probably would have done better to have Jimmy Fallon's IT guy from SNL. Yeah, and you're welcome. And by the way, the actress who played Mark Wahlberg's daughter in the previous movie, Nicola Peltz, she does have a vocal cameo because he calls her. So she was at least but available. But actually in it? But she, or did they just use that's her voice? voice. I, okay, I looked that up voice. actually. Okay. I, I've got a lot of information in my hands. Right okay, here. okay, so she literally phoned it in. <laughs> At least John Turturro was, on, was camera. on camera on set. I don't think he was in Cuba, but wherever he was, he was he was on location. She literally was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll call you for my part. I believe I get." 20, 20 seconds. seconds and they even wrote that in the script and they wrote it in the script and then the final thing I want to talk about was when they're just sort of going through the long history of people from the Witwickacons or whatever they're fucking called uh, we did have a, a little uh, close up Little, which looked like an insert shot that was added after the fact. But there he was, Shia LaBeouf, looking kind of like his crazy mugshot, which I thought was a nice touch. And just a little tie back to movies that were also not good, but they just felt a little bit more movie-like than these last couple. Yeah. You know, they, they told a story that probably wasn't good, but it, you just felt like somebody had taken a screenwriting class and knew how to have your beginning, your middle, and an end. And they're not so worried about that in this. And that was the point I was making where it seemed like they took bits and pieces of a bunch of episodes. There's a lot of things in the ramp up. Right. Things that don't really come together. Things that don't have to do with each other. A lot of it's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But if it were a TV series, you'd probably have a lot of like little side stories. And it's like, okay, now we're back. You know, comic books will do that. We're having a big event crossover. This would be a big summer crossover event. All of these different comic book titles. And you just got to read the main titles to see the big fight with Quintessa and, and Evil Optimus Prime, whose name I forget what, what he called himself for like oh, four seconds. Yeah. Which was not Negatory good. Prime. Yeah, <laughs> Negatory Prime. So what's the moral of the story? You don't need to see this movie. No. If, if you've listened to us talk about it and now you're intrigued, great. You're probably a Transformers fan. You might be a Transformer fan if... If, if you think that <laughs> John Goodman as the redneck gun-toting soldier type who farts cluster bombs because he yeah. ate some dodgy Mexican, Me Mexican scrap metal. Yep, Mexican scrap metal, thank you. Or if you think that uh, the guy who said, let them fight, Ken Watanabe. Let them fight. If you think that him as the I'm going to balance on the tip of my sword and say uh, the same sort of things that uh, Donnie, I can't think of his last name, Donnie, you, the main character, the, the pseudo Jedi character, oh, that thing, I'm, one, I'm yeah. with the force and the force Did is with you? me. If you, if you <laughs> like that in a Transformer you have found the right movie for you. You, you have definitely found the right movie. I, I, I agree. But uh, let us know what you think. If you've seen the movie, yeah, please if do. we've talked you out of seeing the movie, you're welcome. If <laughs> we've made you even more conflicted, please let us know at Blatcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T and of course, The Blatcast on Facebook 
and blackcast.com. You can't write to us there, but it's it's part of the plug, so I want to make sure that I get it in there. But it would be incomplete if we didn't include some thoughts from Agent Starling about Transformers The Last Night. The Last so, Night. Agent Starling, take it away. Let me say the first thing. They found a way to put Stanley Tucci in this movie again as Merlin, the wizard, or whatever. And the, the fact that the movie starts, the fact that we have to have history tied to the Cybertronians is fucking ridiculous. It's amazing that the Transformers just showed up on Earth one day and they were like, what, fucking giant robots? Whoever's idea it was to make this plot line about how they've been, who fucking cares? Like, why does it matter if the Autobots and the Decepticons have been at war on Earth for, oh, it's like, why do they keep coming back to Earth? It's like, because movies need human beings as the protagonists. That's why they fucking keep Yeah, going. but I no, no, okay. But you have to understand. <laughs> okay. Fucking <laughs> Shia LaBeouf, you. I would have rather he been in this movie. Mark Wahlberg, everybody fucking phoned it in. I felt like, for once, Michael, ba okay. There's four of these before, and, and people hate them more and more the more that they go on. Actually, I think most people think the second one is the worst, which I went back and watched when the fourth one was coming out, and I didn't mind it as much, but it's not great. However, the fourth one, everyone's like, oh, fuck this movie, like Mark Wahlberg, like they keep going. They are unnecessarily long, but it doesn't matter. They've always been super entertaining, and I've never been mad when I'm watching the movie. I'm like, it's great. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it's dumb, and there's robots, and there's Optimus, and they fight, and it's cool, and the action sequences are fun. It's very entertaining. It's good. I have couldn't Michael Bay could not have been more fucking bored making this movie. I was like, how do I how do you he's like, we invented all these fucking dope IMAX cameras. You have to see it this way. And I was like, okay, so I paid like $25 for the ticket. It was not cheap. You have to go to the city walk where you have to pay like $20 for parking and then they reimburse you 15, which is ridiculous. Brad and I spent 650. I don't care what you guys spent. <laughs> Okay. I saw it in the native, like, 65-millimeter IMAX, the cameras they made it on in 3D, the middle of the thing on a Friday afternoon, and the theater was not full, because I think by this point people don't care as much anymore. And it was so overwhelming, but it was so overwhelming, not just visually, but it was so boring. Like, nothing happened. Why was Anthony Hopkins... Who cares? Who cares? That movie was two and, what, two hours and a half, two and a half 220. hours? 220. 220. It could have been a solid 90 minutes if they cut out <laughs> all of the shit that doesn't matter. And they had all the cool Autobots chilling at the junkyard. There was Grimlock. Did they ever use Grimlock again? No. They didn't have... They brought the Dinobots in the last one. Dinobots are fucking not doing anything. Except for the ones that, like, conjoined to make a giant, like, multi-headed dragon... Autobot, like from wasn't that cool? Whatever. It was not cool. It wasn't cool because by that point, at the end of the movie, when the shit's swinging and like Cybertron's coming in, that's another thing. Why is <laughs> so Optimus at the end of number four is like I'm coming for you and goes off into space to find his makers. He finds one bitch in a on the whole planet, Quintessa. Yes, who is named after the Quintessens, which is like a race of ancient Cybertronians, which made them. Uh, there's only one. The whole planet, on the whole planet, there's just one, one robot, and it's her, that's it. And so, okay, so Optimus is frozen in space. I guess he should have thought that through before he just fucking went off. Like, yeah, maybe you couldn't make it all the way, idiot. Yeah, but he's Optimus Prime. I don't Prime. care. No, okay. <laughs> I know he's Optimus. See, that's the problem. I love Optimus Prime so much, and in the last one, they had Optimus riding on Grimlock with a fucking sword as Grimlock was breathing fire. It was amazing. Awesome. It's everything I wanted. Yes. In this one, he's in the movie for like maybe 15 minutes. He's bad for most of it. And then for no fucking reason, Bumblebee just decides to talk. And that's the way that he uh, he walks him back from the well, end. I, I know you're trying to not let me talk, but and he doesn't talk again. He just talks no, once, and then he yes. goes back. And uh, you know, I didn't dislike the movie quite as much as you did. But my point that I made earlier, and I know you weren't in the studio at the time, is that this Transformers movie is so bad 
Optimus Prime didn't even want to fucking be in it. That's he's like, he's like, you got, you got twenty minutes. That's it. You know, spread it however you want in the movie. But right. that's it. I'm not in this. Peter Cullen was not happy as these movies have gone on because Michael Bay, for whatever reason, has decided to make Optimus Prime more and more like violently patriotic. Like he'll say, like it's all about freedom, and then he's like, we will kill them all, and then he like rips Megatron's spine out of his back in the third one. You're like, Jesus fucking Christ, and he blows what's his face away like through the back of the head in the third one. You're like, holy shit. Optimus is not fucking around. And then in the fourth one, he's like, he hates everyone. And he's like, I'll just kill everyone. And Mark was like, hey, maybe have some faith in us, Prime. <laughs> and he's like, no, why would I do that? And then he does. And then he's like angry. And Bumblebee, first of all, Bumblebee, they gave him his voice back at the end of the first one. And then I don't know if for whatever reason they thought it was more lucrative via toys to make him not oh, have a voice um, because have uh, a radio. Stupid. So dumb. Make him fucking talk. You could have done so much more with Bumblebee if he wasn't like a dog. They basically made him this anthropomorphized animal because he couldn't really speak words all the other Autobots are like normal people except they're giant robots but you love dogs I do love dogs but not this way I wanted Bumblebee <laughs> to be a fucking fully fledged Autobot and do his own thing and so finally in the end I don't understand how I don't it makes no sense that he just decided to talk like he could do it the whole time and said like he couldn't and then the way he's like but I'm your friend and they, I don't know who they cast as that voice but they should have cast somebody who sounds Cool. They or was like or some maybe weird Bumblebee voice. from the animated series yeah. who was also Peter Parker. Or even Will Friedle from the new animated series. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. Anything. Yeah. Even well, me. I was going to say Will Sterling. Yeah. yeah. Doing a Mark Wahlberg impression. What, hey, how, how would you what about, say? what about Gilbert Godfrey? Optimus, it's me, your friend. I can't do that voice. I can't. So this movie, I, it was just like, first of all, I didn't hate it as much as Jurassic World. So that needs to be said. Uh, Does it? Yeah. Does it only need to be said because Captain EO's in the studio now? That, Is that the only no, reason you're making? No, but I told you that via text that I didn't. Hate I'm it pretending as much as I didn't. World. I'm pretending I didn't know that because the difference For is the that sake everybody of the told me Jurassic World was great and nobody told me Transformers was great. Oh, it's However, not great. Everyone's been telling me Transformers is shit this whole time, and I've been like, yeah, it's a guilty pleasure. So I was like. I was not super excited for it because the marketing, I don't like it when we're in the versus movie phase right now. So part of the marketing was like Optimus is bad and him and Bumblebee are going to fight. I'm like, come on, who cares? Bumblebee's not going to win that fight. Who cares? Also, you know it's going to end with him like being, there's one dope ass moment in that movie and there's a great piece of score that goes along with it. Optimus, when he becomes good again, of course it's like hyper violent. He's like, did you forget who I am? And then he spins around with a sword and he cuts off the heads of like eight Decepticons. That was pretty cool. I was like, oh, we had one moment. The score was good in that moment, but you know what would have made it better? You got the touch! Pretty much. And right? Mark Wahlberg singing it from Boogie Nights. Yeah, okay. He's absolutely. like, hey, Optimus, turn up the vocals a little bit. I think I think the vocals are a little low. <laughs> I think you need to turn up the vocals a little bit. And I just don't understand how they spent so much money and so much time on a movie that makes pretty much no sense. The little Cogsworth butler robot is the dumbest thing in the world. Anthony Hopkins didn't need to even be there. His like no sacrifice, no victory, trying to tie it back into the first Transformers, which was what Optimus. When Brad said. and I were talking about this earlier, uh, our thought was we just felt bad for Anthony Hopkins that he felt the need to say yes to this movie. I mean, he had a, needed a new kitchen floor, I guess. Does he really need another new kitchen? Floor? I don't know. Yeah, how many kitchens? Does he, how does many he swimming have? pools does he possibly need? You know, he okay. had the nerve to badmouth. Hannibal and Red Dragon being in those playing Hannibal Lecter again and he did this piece of shit he madmouthed those movies yeah of course he did yeah. well he had more standards back then so anyway I can't imagine the fact that they had a whole writer's room together and one of the guys was the, the fucking guy who created Walking Dead they had a whole bunch of like high profile people like coming up with ideas and this is the shit that they came up with it didn't make any sense but I think that's it it's the whole too many cooks in the kitchen I mean this is the fifth one at this point 
And we've had what have we also had five of? Oh, five pirates movies. And I saw the fifth pirate movie, and I was like, yeah, oh my god, it's I another pirate. It. It's another pirates. Like it wasn't as bad as the fourth one. The fourth one was pretty bad. They were both bad to me. The th- I saw the fifth one. And I had the fortunate little issue of being in a virtually empty theater, got there, and there was no one there, and then a family decided to sit right behind us. Oh, okay. I was with my mom, and they sat right behind us. The little boy and the mom were, like, directly behind us in right. a wide-open theater, and then decided to talk during the movie. What the fuck? Like, during dialogue scenes of the movie. So I turned around and was like, hey, so... If you're gonna sit here, you you can't talk. Otherwise, you need to move. Like, you're very good up. at like being mean to people. I am. I'd be like, hey, could you guys maybe like maybe don't? If you just like you know, it's a little quieter. But it's not even being mean. I just no, call I mean, it being blunt. direct. Yeah. Like uh, at Pizza Hut yesterday, <laughs> they had messed up last time I was there. I went to pick it up, and they had us sitting there for 20 minutes, and our food was ready in the lower like little. Uh heaty thing so 20 minutes in we're like so where's the food and they're like oh i don't know and the guy checks and he's like oh it's been here the whole time so i was like not acceptable yeah they gave me like some credit for it and then yesterday i went and i was going to use that credit Uh so i went to pick it up and i was like hey so last time i was here there was a mistake and i have some like credit i'd like to use and she's like oh well when you order online and you know it doesn't use it and blah 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 i was like well i'm here so we're gonna work that out (laughs) (laughs) that's i mean i don't remember that part of the transformers movie no we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean and the fact that we've reached number five in a couple of franchises and at the point of number five like unless you really change things up stylistically and with your cast and your tone don't just why make another one like Pirates 5 is like okay everyone's like it's the best one since the first one I'm like no it's not it's the fucking same movie the fifth time but everyone's hoping for the Fast and Furious 5 which and is they keep the, getting the, so crazy but the fifth one was actually like a resurgence for that franchise yeah because the it went and they like, made it a heist movie first one was great second one right. Vin Diesel refused to be in because right. he's like I don't do sequels bro right. and the third one <laughs> was everyone was like I don't uh, uh, we're good we're they good. made the fourth one a little bit more like the first and they brought back you they know, let Vin direct Vin that Diesel one or whatever no, not no, direct that was, uh, that was still what's his face but come back and he was the lead Vin Diesel yeah. and, and Paul Walker so it was like kind of like the first did he role. help write it I know he Maybe. did he had Plot some like bigger role in creating the movie and okay. that was the only reason he agreed to do it but by the time they got to the fifth one they're like you know what we should make something different so they made like a heist movie in Brazil yeah. with The Rock and you were like what the fuck but you were like I mean it works because it's crazy yeah. so like if they did this with Transformers the fact that Michael Bay keeps directing these movies is what the problem is he's like I'm gonna leave after the third one and he's like you know what I'm gonna stick around for one more get the new trilogy kicked off and then I guess they threw $50 billion in his face. And he's like, oh, I guess I'll do one more. Make sure it's really good. But now good we're getting a Bumblebee spinoff. Yeah. And there's going to be more. There's definitely going to be more. There's even though they, even more. though this was terrible. Because as I was saying to Brad, they don't make movies for us anymore. No. Uh, you know, the rest of the world will go see it. And the fact that it doesn't make sense doesn't matter. Yeah. So it, we'll get more. It just cl- clearly to me, it felt like the first three seemed like they had wrapped it up they like, did we're yeah. good because yeah. and, and like you were talking about oh we have history well even in the third one they were already being like you know the whole space race it was really to catch some aliens <laughs> on the dark of the moon Which I, even that is like stretching it just enough for me where it's like kind of cool it's like oh we're investigating mm-hmm. a crash and that was uh, Leonard Nimoy voice that which yep. was that one of the primes? Uh, Sentinel, Sentinel Prime. Prime. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's the one that Optimus Prime blows away by the back of the skull like yep. a fucking merciless killer. Had it um, coming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it like that's kind of cool. Like I get it. That's like just enough. But being like through all of these ages and all this time and like even in the fourth one, like stretching enough to be like, oh yeah, the Dinobots were like here at some point. Like I don't know why we feel this need to keep. 
doing it in such a complicated way. It's like, how about in this movie, the Dinobots just show up because, you know, that's how the Transformers came here. What so they, they should have done is up. cut it off after the third one, then start it up again with, like, the Transformers Beast Wars, which I loved that I love show. Beast Wars, yeah. And you get the Gorilla Optimus Prime. Optimus Primal. That's friggin' mm. awesome. Yes. Yeah, I think as bad as this movie was, I'm glad I didn't get that. So, You're well, wrong, you talked about the one dope moment in the movie. Is that the only enjoyment you got out of your two hours and 20 Honestly, minutes? for the most part, yeah. And it's fine if Even that's the, the answer. Even the action sequences were boring. Josh Duhamel was a fucking dick. And I was like, how do you go from being their best friends and like standing next to them to like hunting them? I don't believe that is a character arc. Even though it's not like he's Even though it's Josh Duhamel. And, and it's Josh yeah. Duhamel. Like, that story-wise just doesn't make sense. There's no reason for him to either be in the movie and be that character. Them having to go underwater to find the thing and Wahlberg and that girl having a romantic and it's like so Yeah, dumb. that was one of the things I forgot to talk about so when dumb. Brad and I were talking about this is the date and you're just like, what? Is Cogsworth it, or whatever no, the fuck your name is? No, fucking Cogsworth and, and the submarine and the... Which is not really it. utilized, the submarine, by the way. No. It's just sort of like, okay, And it's okay, a transformer. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, all right, thanks. It could have been a whole, um, yeah. So all this being said, you... You gonna go see Bumblebee with me? Yeah. All right, that's good. Cool. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, well, we have uh, one other big movie to talk about, and that's War for the Planet of the Apes. And there's only one person we can talk apes with, and that is our friend Mark <clears throat> Hunt, who has his own podcast, Podcast of the Apes, and he will join me. I'm gonna kick these guys out of the studio, and Mark will join me right after this. The human's about to escape. Get your paws off me, you dirty ape! He can talk. He can talk, 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 he can talk! I can sing! Ooh, help me, Dr. Zayas! Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas! Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas! Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas! Oh, Dr. Zayas! Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas! What's wrong with me? I think you're crazy. Want a second opinion? You're all so lazy. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. I wanted to take some time here to talk about a great movie that I saw just a couple weeks ago, War for the Planet of the Apes or of the Planet of the Apes. I'm going to get corrected, no doubt, by our friend Rafe Gutman, Mark Hunt on Twitter at Mark Coin Hunt. Do I have the name of the movie wrong already? Am I already starting off on a bad note, Rafe? Which one are you going with? Which war, one are you? War for the Planet of the Apes or of the Planet of the Apes? You had it right the first time. Okay, it's, it, okay, it sounded right. You had it. Because it's not really the war of the Planet of the Apes. It's it's nope. you know the war that will, in fact, get the Planet of the Apes. And in addition to being somebody who is one of our resident go-tos on Doctor Who, not only are you a resident expert on the Apes films, you do your own podcast called Podcast of the Apes, and people can find that. Just Google Podcast of the Apes. That's the easiest way to find it, right? Absolutely. By the time people are hearing this, you've no doubt done an in-depth recap, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts, have you share your observations with the Blackcast audience, and I'll mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what I thought from it, too. But I wanted you to start off. Just tell us what you thought about war. Uh, full spoilers? Or are we going yeah, full spoilers? Yeah, we're going to go full spoilers. 
spoilers on this. So if you haven't okay. seen War for the Planet of the Apes, one, you should. And two, if you haven't, then you're obviously subjecting yourself to the spoiler zone. I loved it. I thought it was a phenomenal movie. Um, going into it, I knew this was going to be the end of this this prequel trilogy. I was expecting we're going to lose Caesar. I have a feeling I'm 90% sure Caesar's going to die. And then probably some of these other apes that I've come to love over this last trilogy is going to die. So I'm just like, we'll see what happens. And I loved it. I thought it was an amazing movie. I thought it was so go- so heartfelt. So am- some uh, just deep emotional scenes. Just some of the best acting yeah, I've seen as from I, CGI apes. I mean, Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. This movie, you needed the previous two to kind of earn the right to do this oh, yeah. movie in the sense of there are scenes for a good 10 minutes you have three cgi motion capture whatever you want to call them apes talking to each other and the majority of the apes don't actually speak or at least not much so Mm-mm. you have an ape speaking you have ape sign language and ape subtitles and it's not easy to pull that off but i was riveted by it i was really interested in what was happening i did have a moment where i thought like man imagine just not seeing any of these ape movies and you sit down and you see this <laughs> it, it's like you got to you got to earn this and i think they did and i thought it was great i thought it was really captivating and great performances you know i mean it's it's easy to say like oh they just did a voice but i mean the motion capture technology like andy circus is the sir lawrence olivier of motion capture actors i think it's kind of safe to say like he's the guy mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah, he's definitely the roddy mcdowell of this of this <laughs> franchise right. I thought it was interesting, you know, we got to meet uh, Steve Zahn's character, who learned to speak himself, and he doesn't speak as well as Caesar, but I thought that that was a great different dynamic, you know, he didn't have their shared experiences, and some of the things that he reverberates throughout, like, bad apes and things like that, I I thought Mm -hmm. it, it was great. The film takes such a different turn once they meet his character. I love that character. And it was amazing to see how he kind of developed completely separate. Like this movie that the apes find out, well, okay, there's pockets of apes everywhere. We've mostly just focused in on this one little group, but it was kind of nice to see how other apes, or at least this ape, how he spent the last 10 years since the since the virus you know, started wiping out mankind. And it was just an amazing character. I love the character. It was so cool. One of the comparisons made for this movie was to the searchers. And if you think about Caesar and you know, Maurice and his whole gang, like heading out, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's very much like that, you know, they, they meet the girl, you know, and, and all of this. So it's a story in very epic proportions, but I thought it was so well done. And the Colonel played by Woody Harrelson, I thought could have been a very cartoony sort of character. And mm-hmm. it's always very hard when you've seen somebody that goes to some degree, they start to lose their senses a little bit. They maybe go a little bit crazy, you know? I mean, if Marlon Brando hadn't hit the exact right note in Apocalypse Now, you could have put a laugh track to it. So he doesn't get that far. But to just to have him sort of matter of fact... And the way that he, even though he hates everything he represents, the way that he sits and one-on-one speaks with Caesar, just sort of, he realizes, like, well, this guy's on our level. This isn't some damn dirty ape. This is somebody that I have respect for. I thought was was a great dynamic, you know, because it didn't have to go that way in the course of the movie. What amazes me is how many seeds they planted for future movies, because the whole Woody Harrelson's character, and I, I figured they'd... This was very subtle, but 
his uh, army troop, they're in. They, he makes the point of like, okay, we're in, we're inside this mountain. We've got a base. We've got all these weapons and stuff inside this mountain. And behind him, he's got the uh, Alpha and the Omega symbol, and everybody's wearing the Alpha and Omega symbol. They chant it, which is a big reference. Anyone that's seen Beneath the Planet of the Apes knows that there is, in that movie, in the future, there are these humans who are underground who are have psychic powers, and they worship the, uh, the atomic bomb, the Alpha and Omega bomb. They have a whole cult around it. And that's obviously what this group is. I'm assuming some of the people at the end are inside that mountain alive, ready to come back in a thousand years to be the super creepy, bald-headed, mutated whatever that we saw uh, beneath the planet of the apes. Which is one of the aspects of this conversation I wanted to have was sort of callbacks to the original films, things that might be set up for future interpretations. I mean, I feel like there will be more of these apes movies. It's just this kind of trilogy has ended. I mean, do you essentially do a remake of Planet of the Apes at this point and kind of go forward from there? Is that what your expectation is? That's what I'm assuming. I mean, they've introduced a Nova character. So I'm assuming while it may not be her, it may be one of her descendants. We've got our Cornelius. We've got um, the apes make their, to use a biblical reference, exodus to this promised land. They're out in the desert around kind of this this water source. Very Anybody that saw the original Planet of the Apes, Ape City is built out of the desert next to a big water. It looks just like, like this is what Ape City will be. And of course, anybody that saw Rise of the Planet of the Apes, they made a point of showing this Icarus space mission that was lost. And that was it. They just planted that seed. We have a lost space mission we don't know what happened to. Obviously, the Icarus spaceship from that first movie is coming back at some point. Yeah. And and, and, what kind of Planet of the Apes they're going to come back to? Who knows? One with a much higher budget than the original one. So, you know. (laughs) But I think it'll be interesting to see sort of a a reimagining of that. And hopefully they keep Tim Burton away from that project. Um, What was your thoughts on the... I know this isn't what we're really talking about, but how did you feel about the Tim Burton uh, Planet of the Apes? Oh, I was not a fan. Watching it, it's so cartoony. Like, every scene in it, just... I thought the makeup was amazing. I thought, oh, this, you know, it's got a look to it, but then the execution was just a mess. It was monkey parody. It was little jokes here and there, kind of... Like, kind of, He did a similar thing with Dark Shadows. Just turned it into a comedy at times. But the Planet of the Apes... He tried to jam so much in there. If you, if good luck, if you watch the movie and trying to follow the mythology that he sets up in that movie, good luck because it is so jam packed. You're just sitting there going, "What the hell are you talking about?" He's he's trying to jam so much backstory into one movie. It's almost indecipherable. Whereas the new trilogy takes its time and sets up and gives it, it is the backstory. It just tells a straightforward story plainly, but keeps in mind there are more movies coming you know if that first one they didn't know so it was planting seeds for hopefully more movies and uh it just became a huge hit they concentrated on the story they were telling not jamming whatever prequel that they were trying to uh establish yeah which is a problem you run into with a lot of movies you know obviously a different genre but uh, even though i enjoyed amazing spider-man 2 i'm fully aware that the biggest problem with that movie is that they were trying to set up all these spin-off and prequel movies, movies that they will never actually make for the most part, at least not in the way they intended. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, you should really focus on what's at hand. And 
you need to be a little bit more delicate when you're planting seeds for, hey, this could be something else. Like you said, in War for the Planet of the Apes, there are things for people that are very familiar with the old movies. We'll be like, oh, wow, that'd be so cool if we get to see that this is how that happened. And it's fine for somebody that doesn't recognize that and just sort of uh, goes right through it. In terms of people not recognizing something, I want to share with you an anecdote from when I saw the movie. For some reason, I guess I looked like I had an honest face and I understood the movie. So there was a guy on the way out of the theater that asked about, and again, huge spoiler here. We've already said spoiler, but this is a big one. The scene at the end where Caesar's talking to Woody Harrelson's character and how he gives him the gun and Woody Harrelson kills himself. He didn't understand what that was, which is so funny because to me it was so heavy-handed that, you know, we see Nova had the doll which she gave to Caesar. It was in Caesar's cage. We see Woody Harrelson pick it up. It Mm -hmm. has that blood spot right there on the back of it. Very, you know, it's like they held it probably for three, four seconds longer than they needed to. So that's one of those moments where I'm like, oh, shit. He's going to get that virus where you can't talk, the one that he says you have to wipe everybody out for. But obviously it wasn't heavy-handed if this seemingly well-educated gentleman in the audience did not pick up on it and didn't understand why he killed himself, you know, and why he didn't just shoot Caesar. It's it's so fascinating because I was thinking, I'm like, well, that's a bit much, but it's still really cool. It's great storytelling, and it's all a matter of degrees on how you show it. You know, could it have been more subtle? Sure. But then this guy would have been really confused. And I just thought that arc for the character, it was kind of the only way it could really play out. You know, he'd already killed his own son. So Mm -hmm. it was like, well, obviously I need to die because this is what I believe in. And just that moment and Caesar understanding it, he's like, Caesar's not worried. He just, he just leaves the gun for him. He's like, I'm not going to kill you, even though that was basically my motivation for this whole movie, right. is that I was going to kill you. And I, I, again, the idea that you can have such a powerful moment with a motion capture CGI ape <laughs> and also with, you know, Woody from Cheers. It's crazy to think about, you know? I mean, Woody Harrelson's a great actor. I'm sort of saying that mostly tongue in cheek. But when, you know, if you're like, well, Cartoon Chimp and Woody from Cheers have a really heartfelt moment, you know, 20 years ago, I'd be like, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) The things, and I won't even call these criticisms I had with the movie, the things that I I was surprised. For one thing, I assumed a thousand years from now, mankind's going to be, you know, mute, basically savage. I just assumed that as the children born after this virus hit would lose the speech because I saw, oh, nobody doesn't have it. It all must be these kids that are born. But they really accelerated that. I mean, it's like, okay, not only does the 10% of mankind that survived the virus, now those people are now going to lose, I'm assuming Jason Clark and his family, they're out wandering around after the happy ending of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, where they, I'm assuming at some point they're going to suffer from it. And then the whole mute, savage mankind is going to happen way sooner than later, which I, I thought that part of it surprised me. You know, it's funny you mentioned Jason Clark and his family. That was kind of an interesting thing about all three of these movies. They're all very different with Caesar being the through line for all of them, obviously. And it's just the way that makes sense. You know, a lot of times in sequels, you try and bring characters between the movies, even when it doesn't make sense. And this wasn't that kind of movie. And this it kind was of also... Series, yeah. The the other kind of movie it wasn't, I really, for a movie called War for the Planet of the Apes, I really didn't think of it much as a war movie because the apes honestly didn't do that much fighting. No. They were captured. The threat for Woody was the group of humans that were coming to get him. 
and me assuming, oh, the the apes are just going to wipe these humans out and conquer the planet. Instead, we get a kind of contrived avalanche that kind, of, which I thought was kind of cool, but uh, that wiped out pretty much the the remaining military. The, the basically the the remaining might of humanity was wiped out with one big. Again, trying to use a Moses reference, kind of the the the, the flood that came when the yeah. parting of the Red Sea and the Red Sea collapses, it wiped everybody out and, and the apes are just like oh well, i guess we're the only ones that's the interesting part of this is that the titular war for the planet of the apes doesn't even involve the apes you know caesar's trying to stay out of the war sends your people back you know like hey just leave us alone we will not bother you okay we're we're fine out here in the woods and men obviously and i mean mankind that's not you know man <laughs> mankind needs to have this, whatever, you know, they, they can't help themselves. They have to fight. And they're basically telling us that. And some people felt like that was a little bit heavy handed. They're like, Oh my God, mankind's terrible. I'm like, well, you know, kind of apes don't wage war for planets, at least not, you know, in, in this film series. So I, I think that uh, it was, it was really interesting that that was really the conflict was basically this was more of like the great escape getting the right. apes out of the holding pen and mm -hmm. just sort of raising the stakes at every angle for caesar that he couldn't just go and kill this guy and let himself get killed like he wanted to actually there's a line in the original pierre boule novel where they are explaining that basically man the, the apes are now in charge because basically apes could climb trees and man stayed on ground and that was their undoing and thematically that pretty much played out in this movie apes survived because they could climb the trees and man pretty much died out on the ground yeah no it's a yeah it's a great point there are a lot of great touches like that and like i said just the acting was so impressive and you know i had heard a pretty in-depth interview with uh andy circus and i think steve zahn was there and uh the director matt reeves and they were just the way they were talking about it i was looking forward to the movie i was planning on seeing it but just hearing them talk about it i got so much more excited this was right before it opened I think they were uh, they were on a show on Sirius XM. Uh, mm -hmm. Jim Norton and Sam Roberts have a show that they do over there, and I was excited to hear them. And just just to hear them talk about this, when you can hear people talk intellectually about movies like Planet of the Apes, about things like Doctor Who and Star Wars, you know, it feels better than the way that people used to look at like uh you know throw a few bucks at some dumb ape movie and people will go see it you know if you mm -hmm. really make it a great story then people are going to appreciate it across all the genres of, of film going really i've been discussing apes movies for almost four years now so i know what you mean were there any disappointments about the movie you know i mean you had some nitpicks were you on the whole very happy with it is there something you would have liked to have seen in this movie that you did not get to see you know honestly not really there was stuff that i wasn't ex like when cornelia and blue eyes died at the beginning that took i was stunned and i was like and i was prepared i was like oh they're gonna start killing apes and i'm yeah. I'm, cl I'm just sitting there clutching my popcorn god don't kill any more apes and then when luca died and, and i was like oh my god this, they're, they're killing me here and i thought for sure there's a scene one of my favorite apes rocket when he's faced yeah. standing down facing that dude with a gun i was just like oh my god they're gonna kill him and you know he winds up surviving a lot of the apes survive obviously um a lot of the main apes survive i thought the death of caesar i thought was a little uh, you know i i in fact i predict i said i guarantee he's going to die in maurice's arms at the very end it's right. going to be it's just going to be a tearjerker but how he got shot by an arrow i assume it took him a long time to get from northern california out to the desert but somehow that arrow and him bleeding slowly 
I assumed it looked like it would have taken a week or so to get out there. Seemed like they off, like they either got there really quick or he died really slowly. It must have been the latter. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I had expected him to die, but then when you get to that point in the movie, I'm like. Well, maybe not. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess the I was, arrow. I was the same way. Like, I was expecting him to die. He survived. I thought he was going to kill himself when he was uh, about to shoot the uh, tanker and yeah. blow everybody up. I'm like, oh, he's going to die there. Oh, no. Here comes the avalanche. Oh, my God. He's running. Oh, he survived that. Oh, maybe Caesar ain't going to die in this one. Like, <laughs> when they shot him with the arrows, I was like, yeah. well, he's only got the one in him. And then at the very end, as he's starting to get a little woozy, I was like, oh, shit. This is when he dies. Yeah. I was like, oh. Goodbye. Farewell, Caesar. Farewell. Yeah, well, farewell this Caesar. I'm sure there'll be more Caesars, you know, in some future movies. I wonder how long it'll be before we get more, but you'll be able to talk about all of it on Podcast of the Apes, which, again, people can find. Just Google Podcast of the Apes, and they can follow you on Twitter at Mark Coyne, C-O-Y-N-E, Hunt, a.k.a. Rafe Gutman. And so, Mark, thank you so much for uh, being on the Blackcast once again. It has been a pleasure. Thanks again to Mark Hunt. Thanks to Will Sterling, at Will Sterling underscore, who has the motivation Report, and that can be found on Twitter at Motivate Report and MotivationReport.com. And of course, thanks to Captain EO at Jeff DeRay. And finally, thanks to Brad Morin, aka Old Man Morin. He will be our special in studio guest for the entire episode next time on the Blackcast. I hate every ape I see, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. No, you'll never make a monkey out of me. Oh my God, I was wrong. It was Earth all along. You finally made a monkey. Yes, we finally made a monkey. Yes, you find.